The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you the crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to another edition of Jonesy and Brown. My name is John Brown. That is Mike Jones. What's good, my friend? Ah, uh, man, I'm good. I'm just happy to be here, you know? Look, man, big week in the NBA. We'll definitely get into NBA talk later on in the show because... This week was the NFL. Uh, NFL this week was the NBA draft. We also had some. Uh, we also had some uh, off-season moves by some teams. So we will definitely talk about that. But we're going to start in the NFL this week. So basically, basically this week we're now what at the halfway point in the NFL season. Mm-hmm. The cream is starting to rise. To the to the top it's tree shaking season it's it's you know this is the time we, we kind of shake that tree to figure out who's for real who's going to be around in another month or two and who's not i'm looking at the nfl st- uh the standings right now and couple, some some there are some somewhat surprises there are some teams that you expected to be there. Of course, the defending champion, Kansas City Chiefs, are there. You expect that. Seattle's mm-hmm. playing. Seattle's playing good football. You know, you you expect that. Pittsburgh's playing good football. Maybe you didn't see nine and zero, but you you expect the Steelers to be there in this conversation, you know, in the conversation. They're usually somewhere near the conversation every year. Well-coached team, smart quarterback, and they seem to draft well, keep good talent coming through the system, Mm -hmm. lose a receiver, bring in a receiver. Mm -hmm. They never seem to be sure on weapons for Ben. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like you said, 9-0 undefeated at this point in the season is unexpected, but them being in the playoff race, that's not unexpected. Not at all. But not. staying in that division, what is a little unexpected, it seems like the league may be catching up to Lamar Jackson a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Ravens 6-3, and three, uh, also 6-3 mm-hmm. and three in that division, are the Cleveland Browns. And we'll talk about We'll talk a little bit more about the Browns uh, later on in this segment. I want to come. I want to circle back to the Browns because I want to talk about the Browns as well as their opponent this weekend, our Philadelphia Eagles. But we'll come. We'll come back to that. But usually around this time, I like to play a play a little game. It's a game that we like to play that we call faux real or faux fake. You know, it's time to start looking at some of these teams at the top of their division and see if they are for real or if they are for fate. And let's start, honestly, let's start in the AFC. Let's start 
right out the bat with the Buffalo Bills. They are on top of the AFC East right now with a seven and three record. They are seven and three. Mm-hmm. Dolphins six and three, New England Patriots four and five. I feel like we have not looked at a division like we have not looked at the AFC like this in years. You're going, you know, you're going back before the Tom Brady era, before the Bill Belichick era. You're looking at the Buffalo Bills on top of the AFC East at seven and mm-hmm. three. Are you surprised by that? No. Why not? Because they're in the AFC East, and somebody has to win games in that division. Got that right. Um, the the Jets, they're they're the Jets. Yeah, oh, oh yeah. There's there's no need to talk about. Then it's about time to defund the, the Jets. Dolphins. The Dolphins seem to be a team on the rise, but they're not who anything you'd look at and say they're world beaters yet. Mm-hmm. The Patriots are in, I don't want to say disarray, but they're not the normal Patriots this year. Between opt outs, a transition at quarterback, mm-hmm. and because they had what I want to say eight starters opt out, yeah. and then you lose Tom Brady and you bring in Cam Newton at the last minute to a team that didn't have enough weapons for Tom Brady to work with, mm-hmm. and then you have not multiple opt outs. All mm-hmm. yeah, that's just a bad. That's a no win situation for Cam. Uh, hopefully, he go. He the best he can hope to do is go out there and show that he's still a competitor. He's capable of grasping Belichick's offense. And execute to the best of his ability, but don't expect Cam going forward to look like a great guy, great quarterback when you don't put him in a position. Yeah, definitely. No, so, I, I guess honestly, it's no. like it's it. There are a lot of surface conversations in the NFL, and I think honestly that might be a point that I come back to a couple of times during this show because it's easy to look at the Patriots record. You see what they have been able to do, what they've always been able to do over the years. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady is gone. Tom Brady is gone. And now you see the bucks are seven and three. Meanwhile, Mm -hmm. on, on the flip side, Bill Belichick and the Patriots are four and five. So it's easy. It's easy. If you're just looking at this, if you're just looking at the standings to say, Hey, you know what? Maybe it was all Tom Brady. It was all Tom Brady, you know, and you look at the Panthers decision to get rid of Cam Newton. And you say, maybe they should have gotten rid of Cam Newton. Maybe it was time to get rid of Cam Newton. Because the Patriots are struggling and Tampa Bay isn't, so to speak. But honestly, when you look at the Patriots, how much of their struggles can you really put on Cam Newton's play? And how much do you put on the fact okay, that he's getting right. out of the run? No, 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 I am by no means calling Cam Newton a great quarterback. Okay. He has potential to be great. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's out there playing great football right now. He's not. Mm-hmm. He's he's not playing, but he does not have weapons or 
the things around him right now that would make it easier for him to be great, to get comfortable in the mm-hmm. new system. Cam, at his best in the NFL, was extremely dangerous, but he was not a what anyone would call a pure passer. Mm-hmm. He's a streak. He's a streaky passer. When he's on, mm-hmm. he's on. But he's not the guy you expect to go out there and throw seventy percent for a season. No. So now, at a more advanced age, with injuries, multiple injuries from playing a running style, being as big as physical as he is, guys are giving him his best shot. Those in those hits add up. Mm-hmm. So at a point, Cam is at a point now in his career where he need does need to be able to win games with his arm. Like guys you see play into their thirties as a quarterback and be successful are guys who can win games with their arms. They, these are your Ben Roethlisberger. Ben Roethlisberger earlier in his career was known as a big, tough guy who made all these physical plays. And sh- watch Ben Roethlisberger play now. He gets that ball out. He reads the defense. He throws. He gets it out. He's not looking to do all that extra stuff he did early in his career. Drew Brees, you still have to move the pocket for him because he's a smaller guy, but he's looking to get that ball out fairly quick. Yep. Tom Brady, get the ball out, or you'll see him. You'll see Tom Brady crumble and go mm-hmm. he knows when the play's over these guys they win games with their arms if you're if you're a quarterback in the nfl in your 30s go you know you don't get more gifted physically gifted you get less gifted less mobile less quick less agile so we have to see cam newton advance into that next phase of his career if he wants to have sustained long-term success but with the cast that he has around him right now, this is not a good situation for him to be able to try to make that adjustment right now. So Cam's got work to do, but it's, I, mean, it's, I wouldn't say it's all on Cam. I wouldn't, Cam's not to blame for the losses. No, not at all. So let's look at who is on top of that division. On top of that division is the Buffalo Bills at seven and three. Mm-hmm. At, you've seen how they play. Do you think they're for real, or do you think this is a situation where the team that's on top of the division now might not finish at, on top of the division at the end of the season? Well, first of all, I think Miami's going to give them fight for the division. Okay. I think that Miami's got a little bit of a jolt of energy around to it. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be pushovers, but Buffalo and Buffalo, they're just, I, I do expect them to, I don't want to say regress, mm-hmm. but as the season progresses, you know, I think they will struggle to beat some of the better teams in the league. I'll say it that way. Okay. Just looking at Buffalo's schedule. Now, they 
they had a really impressive win against Seattle. We're able to beat Seattle. Mm-hmm. But they're looking at the Chargers this weekend. Then they go to San Francisco. They still have to play the Steelers, the Broncos, the Patriots. Uh, they have to go to Gillette Stadium, play the Patriots again. And then they finish mm-hmm. their season against the Dolphins. They've beaten the Dolphins on the road. They went down to Miami and beat the Dolphins, but they still have to face them again at home. So you're looking at Chargers, Niners, Steelers, Broncos, Patriots, and Dolphins for the rest of that schedule. Mm-hmm. Are you? But you still think you still believe that there's some losses there. You believe that there's some losses there, and that the Buffalo Bills will All come right, back let's, down to earth. Let's count them. Let's count them out. Let's go through them one by one. Give me the schedule. Okay, here you go. This Sunday, got the Chargers. Home against the Chargers. Should win that one. Okay. Then they travel to San Francisco for the 49ers. Monday Night Football. Should win that one, but you never know. You never know. All right, then you come home. Sunday night game against the Steelers. Loss. At Denver, the... uh, on the 20th. When? At the Patriots. Once again, Monday Night Football. I'm going to call that one a loss. Okay. Finish the season at home against the Dolphins. That And that could be where the divisions decide. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. 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 So what do you what do you think? That's, and that's why I say it's going to be Dolphins are going to give them a fight for it. Um, I'm going to give it to the Dolphins. Okay, you're going to give that one to the Dolphins. All right, so so let's move on to the Steelers. Steelers on top of the AFC North, nine and zero, like we talked about. No one expected nine and zero, but you always expect the Steelers to be there. Steelers mm-hmm. looking down, and I feel like. To the point that you made that maybe the league is catching up to Lamar Jackson a little bit. But also, now that the Steelers have beaten the Ravens, now is it possible that the Steelers have built a lead that, honestly, the rest of the division can't come up, uh, can't catch up to? You're looking at the Ravens at 6-3, and three, the Browns well, at 6-3. and three. They have a three-game lead in the division mm-hmm. with – they're what nine and zero, so they have seven games to play. So, with seven games to play, you expect that they'll win at least four. Yep. And look at their schedule. So, let's, let's look down the line at the at the Steelers' schedule. Sunday, this Sunday they have they're at Jacksonville. This win. Sunday at Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville's a bad team. Got a revenge game against the Ravens. They got to go on the road to to Baltimore to play the Ravens again. That should be a fun one. The Ravens need that win. I'm going to give it to Baltimore. Then they have the Washington football team. The Steelers win that one. Then, Then they go at Buffalo. I already gave that one to the Steelers. Okay. Then you got the Bengals. That should be a win. The Colts. 
Colts are playing decent football playing this decent year, football. so I'm going to go ahead and throw that one to Pittsburgh. Playing decent football, got Phillip Rivers out there finding the – well, somewhat finding the fountain of youth. I don't, I don't you know. <laughs> Phillip Rivers is doing Phillip Rivers things, getting you major points if you have him on your fantasy team. Once again, you'll never go wrong with Phillip Rivers on your fantasy team. All right, uh, they finished the, they finished the season at the Cleveland Browns. Let's go ahead and give that one to Pittsburgh, too. That's, that leaves them with one loss. That leaves them with one loss. You're looking at a, you're looking at a 15 and one Pittsburgh team. Mm-hmm. And I think now, honestly, teams like that at, the, at this point now, I, I think the precedence is that that last undefeated uh Patriots team. You go, mm-hmm. you know, you go all out in the regular season. You ball out in the regular season. What do you have left come the postseason? Like you look at a. No, see, I, I don't know if that's a fair evaluation, JB. Why not? Because I'm I'm looking at a 15 and one team. I'm sitting here, and you, you on paper, in theory, you look at a 15 and one team, and you're saying, "Hey, man, you know they're you know." They're juggernauts, but you see this Pittsburgh team. You know that I'm not. I I'm not. I'm not convinced that this Pittsburgh team is. You know, is like head and shoulders above the rest of the league. All right, but now let's look at that. You mentioned that undefeated Patriots team for a second. Okay. That. They were every bit the juggernaut they were sp- they were billed mm-hmm. as. Yeah. They ran all the way through to the Super Bowl, and on a off day for their offense, they their offense left the field with the lead. Mm-hmm. It was the defense that didn't hold defense. up the bar- their end of the bargain on that last drive, mm-hmm. and in part due to some pretty amazing amazing, phenomenal, never-once-in-a-lifetime type plays mm-hmm. from Eli Manning and that Giants offense. So, it to say that they didn't, they got beat, the Giants made the plays, mm-hmm. but to take the position, like, do I, I'm a question whether or not you have enough left. Yeah, the Patriots absolutely have enough left. They just didn't get it done now. Okay. You look at this Pittsburgh Steelers team. They got to go to the playoffs. They go to the playoffs. They still got to play Tennessee. They still got to play Kansas mm-hmm. City. You got teams like that waiting for them. Now, granted, Baltimore is no slouch. Yes, you know, yes, to your point that the league might be catching up with Lamar Jackson a little bit. But Lamar Jackson is still a beast. Absolutely. So, so to me, it's like, okay. Say Pittsburgh does go into the to the postseason at fifteen and one. Mm-hmm. I'm not handing them a game against the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not handing them a game against the the Titans. I mean, it's feasible. I mean, it it's feasible, and especially when you look at what. Oh, well, see, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. Them being fifteen and one, 
doesn't necessarily make them the juggernauts of the AFC. Because if you look at their remaining schedule, they don't see the Chiefs on there. You don't see the Titans on there. Like the top teams in the AFC, those will be relatively novel matchups. And I don't know that the Pittsburgh Steelers would be favored in all of those matchups. I don't. When I was picking wins and losses on the Steelers' schedule, mm. part of that is a reflection of who they're playing against. Yeah. And they're not playing the, the cream of the crop in the no. AFC or the, no. or the NFL and interdivisional games through, through the remainder of their schedule. Oh, interconference games, excuse me. So, yeah. So, I mean, 15 and, and, and 1 yeah. is a matter of you beat who you play, not because you're beating the best of who's out there. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think that when you, when you look at, and and I'm and I'm speaking on paper versus play. Mm-hmm. You look at the schedule. You look on paper. You see a fifteen and one team, and they're going. There's going to be people who automatically think, "Oh, Pittsburgh's just a beast. Pittsburgh's just killing them." But that's not necessarily, you know, that's not necessarily the reality. I mean, in the end, Kansas City, and we'll get to them in a second. Kansas City's eight and one. And then there's a lot of six and three teams right now. Miami exactly. six and three. Ravens six and three. Browns six and three. Colts six and three. Titans six and three. Raiders six and three. Mm-hmm. So and, and in my opinion, Kansas City is still the class of the AFC, yes. regardless of yes. them being one game behind the Steelers yeah. for the number one seed. And they're and they're and now they're a team with some experience. So mm-hmm. Kansas City's a team that I would not be worried about having to play a playoff game in Pittsburgh later on down the line. You put Kansas City and Pittsburgh in the AFC Championship game, put that in Pittsburgh, you could still get, you know, Kansas City's not going to fold in the moment. No, not at all. So real quick. Let's move on to the AFC South. Like I said, six and three. The Colts are on top with the Titans right behind them at six and three. Of those two teams, who do you see coming out of the South? Who would you say is the real who would you say is the for real team coming out of the South? The Colts or the Titans? I think the Titans with I like a little the bit Titans. Of, yeah, the Titans with some experience. Ryan Tannehill playing better football. Making believers out of people, making people in the, making people believe that last season was not a fluke. Luckily, mm-hmm. luckily but for the Derek, Dolphins, they got a Derrick Henry is the reason I like the Titans. Yeah, he's the type of guy who is built to carry the ball twenty to twenty five times a game, and he abuses the defense, not vice versa. You know, that's the type of running back that physical, just a physical runner, punishing Mm -hmm. runner, you know, north, south, north, south guy. Somebody is going to eat time. You know, when when the Titans have the ball, they're going to have the ball for a long period of time because you have a Derrick Henry just pounding the rock over and over and, over. you know, just a steady dose of that. And if you have a defense that can't get off the field, a defense that struggles against the run, well, look, he makes teams that don't struggle against the run look like they struggle against the run. Exactly. 
Uh, he's bigger than most of your linebackers in the modern NFL. But, so, but, uh, but Titans have kind of a tough stretch, though. Titans are going to Baltimore to play the Ravens on Sunday. They follow that up at the Colts. Titans in the Colts in two weeks. Then you have then you're home against the Browns, who are playing better football. Then you go to the Jack. Then you got the uh the Jags. Jags not a f- good football team. Then you got the Lions. Lions not a good football team. Then you travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Sunday, uh, Sunday night football, you end your season against the Texans. Texans not a good team. So you have, what, four pretty tough games on the Titans' schedule. At Ravens, at Colts, home against the Browns, at Jacksonville, home against the Lions, at Green Bay, at Texas. I think the Titans can win most of those games. Really? You're, you're saying most of those games? Where do most you see, of them. It's do you a tough stretch. Where do you see most? Ravens win or loss? I think the they Ravens. can beat Baltimore. I, I think I think they have the answer to – they have a formula to beat to beat the Ravens. The Ravens have a great secondary, a great pass coverage, but they're not especially strong in run defense. Okay. And I think Derrick Henry has a shot at gutting them. Okay. So you have that as a win. At the Colts. Mm-hmm. At the Colts. I think they beat the Colts. Oh, okay. I just I don't trust Phillip Rivers. Got you. Home against the Browns. They should be able to beat the Browns. Okay. Then they got Jacksonville and Den- Jacksonville and Detroit. We'll put those both. We'll, no disrespect to them. We'll put both of those as wins. Yeah. Packers at the Packers. Packers should win that one. Pa- okay. Home against the Texans. That's a tough game. Oh, excuse me. Wait. wait uh, sorry. Correction. They go to Texas. They go to Houston to play the Texans. They finish out on the road. Two road games on the road the at the Texans. That's a tough game. As that one at this point is hard to call. Kind of depends on who needs it more. Mm-hmm. If Texas is in, is in the hunt for one, of, the Texans are in the hunt for one of those extra playoff spots this year. Then they might come with a little extra life and try to pull something out. Mm-hmm. Now, mind but if you- their season is over, you never know. Now, mind you, Texans played uh, – Indianapolis has yet to play the, uh, the Texans this season. I'm looking at the Colts' schedule. They are home against the Packers this Sunday. You got Aaron Rodgers and the Packers coming to uh, the Colts this Sunday. Then they go take on the Titans. Then they, then they go on the road. Colts go on the road to play the Texans. They go on the road to play Oakland. Then they're back home against the Texans and then go on the road to Pittsburgh. And the Colts finish the season with Jacksonville. Mm-hmm. So we're talking Packers, Titans, 
Texans, Raiders, Texans, Steelers, Jags. You could see, you could feasibly see the Titans take hold of this division. Oh, absolutely. Because the Colts, Colts have a yeah, Colts very have a, tough schedule yeah, coming up. Colts is going to struggle. I think the Colts are going to struggle down the line. And that'll be when I agree. Titans, that'll be when the Titans make their move. I think if anything, mm-hmm. I think the Titans are for real. I think that's a given. That's easy. Titans are for real. Colts, uh, I'm with you. I'm definitely with you. Don't necessarily trust Phillip Rivers. I think, you know, they're, you know, they, 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 let's see, let's look at their schedule coming into Now the Colts have beaten the Titans. They beat the Titans on Sunday. Went to, mm-hmm. went to uh, Tennessee, beat them. Got wins. Man, I don't think Tennessee lets that happen twice. Yeah. Now, the Colts have a loss to the Jags, a loss mm-hmm. to the Browns, and a loss to the Ravens. They've lost to the Jags, Browns, and Ravens. They've mm-hmm. beaten the Vikings. Vikings, eh, you know, Vikings ain't that good. Beat the Jets. Everyone beats the Jets. Beat the Bears. At this point, everyone beats the Bears. Mm-hmm. Beat the Bengals. Everyone except for the Eagles beats the Bengals because the Eagles tie the Bengals. Beat the Lions. It's a participation trophy. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not world beaters. No, no. Their defense is solid, but I think their their record will come back to earth as the season progresses and they hit a tough stretch of schedule mm-hmm. coming up. It's a, tough, tough, a tough stretch of games coming up. Yeah, agree, agree. I think Tennessee's for real. I think Colts are for fake. Let's move on to the AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs 8-1. and one. Of course, the Kansas City Chiefs are for real. Nipping on their heels mm-hmm. is the L.A. Ra- uh, LA Raiders. Excuse me. The LA, Vegas Raiders. The Vegas Raiders. That still takes a little bit of getting used to. Honestly, look, <laughs> real quick, I think that, that Raiders stadium looks awesome. That stadium looks dope. I can't wait for them. To, I, I can't wait to see what that stadium looks like filled with people. Exactly. That that's when you really yeah. get to feel like you get you get to sat you to see what the real feel of the stadium yeah. is, how it sounds but, when it's full of fans. But it's great that all the all black building that looks dope. I I got you know I want to see what that stadium looks like full of people. But Raiders six and three right now. Let me pull up their schedule. Uh, there there's some good wins in there. Mm-hmm. They're a decent team. I don't, they're not a bad team, but. I wouldn't. They're not world beaters, but not they're world, a decent team. Not world beaters, but, but, but in a division with the Chiefs, mm-hmm. the, the Chiefs win, so they might be able to sneak into one of those extra wild cards, one of those wild card spots. But the, that division is already decided. Yeah. No. Yeah. You're right. They've beaten. They they beat Carolina. Carolina's all right. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Might not be there yeah. year, but Carolina's no slouch. The Raiders are the Chiefs' one loss. Mm-hmm. Beat the uh, beat the Saints, beat the Chiefs, beat Cleveland, beat the Rams, mm-hmm. and beat uh, beat Denver. Yeah, there's some solid wins in there. Yeah, now they got their they got the rematch this Sunday 
at home. Raiders are at home against Kansas City on Sunday. Then they go to Atlanta. That's your favorite team. That's your boys. Then they got the Jets, the Colts, the Chargers. Excuse me, I said they beat the Rams earlier. Uh, I apologize. That's, that's, that's incorrect. They beat the Chargers earlier this season. They got a rematch against the Chargers. Then you got Miami in the end the season against Denver. So there's mm-hmm. there's a good chance that the Raiders will be there at the end of the season. Absolutely. They're just in the division with the Chiefs, so yeah. they can't win. Yeah. 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 Definitely. 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 All right, now let's move on to the, I think so would you well, before we move on to the uh NFC, are you saying the Raiders are for real? As far as being a playoff team, yeah, they're for real. Yeah. But Take a quick break, then come back to the NFC. Okay, let's do that. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Remember, you can hit us up anytime on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Jonesy and Brown. Jonesy and Brown. That, that's where you reach us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or you can reach us at Best in the World Sports. We will be right back on the podcast, Jonesy and Brown. Listen to it. Download the podcast, all right? Hey, do that. You feel this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. I'm Brandon Graham from the Philadelphia Eagles. Every day during the COVID-19 pandemic, our frontline workers are out there serving us. Bus drivers and grocery clerks, sanitation workers, police, firefighters, and healthcare workers. They're taking care of us. Now let's take care of them. Wear a mask when you go outside. Protect yourself and protect others too. We can do this. Let's mask up, Philly. Help stop the spread. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Are we are back on Jonesy and Brown. He is Mike Jones. I am John Brown. We are talking NFL. Talked the AFC in the last segment. Now we're going to move over to the NFC. All right, we're playing full real or full fake. That's what we talk about. We're talking about these teams. We're trying to figure out who's going to be there at the end of the season. Don't want to start with the NFC. No, I start with them. They're all bad. It doesn't matter what happens. I understand no. it doesn't matter what happens. I understand they're all bad. Understand, and there's no expectation for any of these teams, whoever wins the division and goes to the playoffs, there's no reason to think any of these guys would win a game. Exactly. So that so being, they're all fake. They're, they're all fake, 
But that being said, who do you think is going to win this division? Who's going to be the team that sucks less than the rest of the uh, teams in that division? Because the that's Giants. all there is. You think the Giants? Giants are playing good football. Daniel Jones looked like the best quarterback in the division this past Sunday against our beloved Philadelphia Eagles. He shouldn't be, but he but, yeah, he's playing the best football out the, of the quarterbacks in the division. Playing the best football, you know, Dallas. You know, well, you know, Dax. Dak's going. Mm-hmm. So that's Andy cool. Dalton may or may not return. He, I'm thinking he will, but mm-hmm. we'll see. The Washington situation, the Washington quarterback situation remains in flux. Looks like it's probably going to be Alex Smith. Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Haskins is done. You know, not necessarily physically done. I just think Washington he's done, done in Washington. Yeah, they're done with him. I don't understand that situation. Does that make sense well, to you? Like, I, I don't understand what Haskins did as a player to necessarily warrant them being so down on him. Well, let's see. All right. I'm going to be careful in how I address this. Okay. Um. My, my Ohio people, my Ohio State people, <laughs> And who is that? Have, hmm? You said you're I'm Ohio. Not, my Ohio State people. I'm not, I'm not dropping names. Okay. I have an Ohio State guy. Okay. And he he was quite clear with with me when he was sharing that Haskins had a, a reputation for not being the most prepared, not studying the most. Mm-hmm as a quarterback so but not having the the greatest work work ethic okay so it is easy to see where in washington where you have a situation where he wasn't necessarily the old coach's first choice and he wasn't necessarily this coach's, the new coach's choice at all. See, Ron Rivera's, it just came in this year, and he may very well want a chance to start fresh with this team and get his own guy in there. Yeah. So, yeah, there were some things working against Dwayne Haskins, his, and his play was not stellar. No. no. But, Yeah, this is one of those cases where yeah, the kid was, from what I heard from my Ohio State people, not not the most disciplined of quarterbacks. Mm. So you think this is this is more off the field? This is, I mean, you talk. I don't know. I don't think it's off. This is, well, before the field, not necessarily off the field. But, but I mean, like off the field stuff. I think of things like you. You're getting in trouble with the law and stuff like that. This is things that directly relate to on the field performance. It just happens before you get there. Before the game. Okay. Before the game. So, So yeah, like if if your practice habits and your study habits aren't right, by the time you get to the field, you're going to see a kid who doesn't seem like he's progressing much and everybody's questioning what the coaches are doing with. 
So that being said, because the, the whole point, the whole point was that Daniel Jones right now is the best quarterback in the NFC East. He's playing like the best quarterback in the NFC East. But when you went mm-hmm. into, when you went into this season, you know, there was reason to believe that the 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 title of best quarterback in the division was Carson Wentz to lose. Yes, you had to. It was between there was Carson a debate and between Tim. Dak and and Carson. Dak is out for the year, mm-hmm. and Carson is out to lunch for the year. Apparently, like I, I don't know what's going on with Carson. I, I, I'll, I'll tell you that what I, I think I could throw fifty theories out there, but I, I just don't know this. Well, I've I've talked about it. You you do know what's going on with Carson. I think it's a it's it's not one thing. Yes, he is he is regressing. That's mm-hmm. obvious. That's you know that's being Captain Obvious. But you can't just flat out say he's not talented or no. not good because you've seen him perform at a very high level. Carson Carson Wentz is somebody who's his game truly speaks to everybody. And this is what I mean by that. If you are a Carson Wentz critic, if you are not a believer in Carson Wentz, he will give you ample plays in a game that completely back up why you're down on Carson Wentz. But if you are a Carson Wentz believer, if you like Carson Wentz, he will give you those same amount of plays that make you say, hey, this guy could be something. I understand why this team traded up to get him and made him the franchise quarterback. He will make a good throw. He will stretch a play. He will he, he will make plays with his athleticism. He will will an offense to overperform, uh, to overperform overachieve. But there is definitely a yin and a yang to Carson Wentz, where there are times when you're just like, dude, this guy could be great. This guy is awesome. He is mm-hmm. a star. And there are other times when you're just like, oh, dude, is trash, man. Dude is terrible. And I feel and, and there have been reports of this year about Carson Wentz and questions about his practice habits. Mm-hmm. Well, they're all you know, that we we mentioned the questions about Haskins' practice habits and study habits. I this and now through this is Wentz's in his fifth year. Fifth this year. is the first anything like this has come up. But well, you you would yeah. always see you you know you've seen little digs at him. You know these these unnamed sources always seem to find their way and can find a reporter and it's usually a national reporter not a, not a local reporter but they'll find their mm-hmm. way into the ear of a national reporter who will put it out there that maybe Carson Wentz isn't the most popular guy in the locker room maybe Carson Wentz doesn't have the best uh work ethic of other players you know you always hear that and you and I, being Philadelphians, you and I, growing up, 
being in this fan base. You know the deal. In this city, there will never be a player on the Eagles more popular than the backup quarterback. You know Ace this. Feely was my man. Exactly. Feely, Coy Detmer, Garcia, Garcia all, both Detmer. Both Detmer brothers, all of them. There will never be a player more popular than the backup quarterback. And Carson Wentz is in a situation where, you know, he gets it probably worse than anybody. I used to think, I used to think, that Donovan McNabb had it worse than anybody because people were just dying to replace him with whoever was the backup quarterback. But mm-hmm. Carson Wentz watched his backup quarterback win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's funny because over the last couple of weeks, there was a story in the news where uh, Brett Favre had come out and said that uh, he thought maybe the Eagles made a mistake. With mm-hmm. sticking with Carson and going with Nick Foles, and uh, well, sticking with Carson, letting Nick Foles walk. To me, it's like there are plenty of knocks against Carson. You know, it, it's it's not you know that's that that's a given. But to me, that story was much ado about nothing. Mm. That was much ado about nothing because, quite frankly, I just feel, I mean. You know, and I know just from talking to people, you know, we've had opportunities to talk with, you know, professional athletes or whatever. I think people over overestimate how much football football players watch when they're done in the game and they're not being paid to watch football. At this point in time, Brett Favre is just like you and I. Sunday comes, he sits down in front of his television, and he might watch whatever game's on TV. Whatever game's on Fox, whatever game's on CBS. He's not like these t- the paid TV analysts who might watch all, you know, all 16 games every week. That's not who Brett Favre is. Brett Favre, you know, is Brett Favre is like us. He lives in what Mississippi. So how many Eagles games has Brett Favre wa- watched? What he'll do though, you know, he, he re, you know he'll watch Sports Center like we watch. He'll watch the highlights. He sees the narrative. He looks at it on paper. You know, j- just like we were talking about in the last segment, the difference between what's on paper and what's reality. So Brett Favre might see, hey. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles took this team to the Super Bowl. They haven't been able to match that success since that Super Bowl with Carson Wentz as the quarterback. So maybe they made a mistake. That's all that is. It's like you feel better now. That you got all that out, Jacob. No, I'm not done. I'm I, 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 I'm glad we're on the webcam, so you can see my face. Yeah. And how completely disinterested I am in the Eagles right now. <laughs> the Eagle, the Eagles stink. Uh-huh. The team is bad. Yeah. The Giants are likely to win the division. Uh huh. Talk to me when the offseason gets here. We could talk about how he's going to mess up another draft. Oh boy. Yeah, you ain't got no faith in them, do you? It's an organizational failure. It's or, they've given me no reason to believe that they're going to do the right thing. Mm. So, 
All right, well, Until look. they do, I'm done setting myself up for disappointment. Well, I will appease you. I'll move on. Let's move on. <laughs> I, you know, to, I did get that off my chest. I, I think the whole Brett Favre, the Brett Favre criticism of Nick of Carson Wentz, that's BS. Oh, I, you know, Brett Favre doesn't watch any football or how many football games? How many Eagles games has Brett Favre watched? Probably none. He just knows mm-hmm. that he just knows that Nick Foles took him to the Super Bowl and Carson Wentz hasn't. That's mm-hmm. that's all he that's all he's basing that on. I remember, like, it's funny. I used to live, you know, I used to live in Baltimore, so I got a lot of friends in Baltimore, and they used to always get on me back in the day about how Philly fans treated Donovan McNabb because for them who aren't following the Eagles, aren't watching the Eagles. All they know is Donovan McNabb gets them in the playoffs every year, to at least gets them to the conference championship game. Might not win, but he wins But he wins games. And it always seems like Philly fans were down on it. Mm-hmm. But you and I, as fans, we watch Eagles games. So, you, you know, it's like, there are gripes. There were always there, there were arguments that you could make against Donovan McNabb, mm-hmm. and it was like. But the flip side was, Ravens won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. They and did. They won a F- Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. Then they gave him his money, and they didn't get back to the Super Bowl. Eventually, mm-hmm. Joe Flacco was run out of town. People were down on Joe Flacco. And I used to go to those same fans and be like, why are you guys so down on Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco won y'all the Super Bowl. I know Joe Flacco didn't necessarily win the Super Bowl for them. Oh, he absolutely did. Oh, he absolutely did. Go check his numbers on that Super Bowl. He played a, oh, he played a great game. But also, but that, de- but that touchdowns de- and one interception or something in but that, that playoff. De- but, but but that defense was but that defense was pretty stout though. Absolutely, that defense was pretty stout. But nonetheless, Baltimore got down on Joe Flacco real quick. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Joe Flacco wore out his welcome in Baltimore real quick after that Super Bowl. And that's when, you know, that's when they want to start talking about nuance. And that's the flip side of it. When you're watching your team win. You know the narratives. You know the narratives, and you know what might appear on the surface as a as opposed to somebody who's not watching your team's games. Mm-hmm. So that's the difference between when when Brett Favre wants when Brett Favre wants to throw out his criticism. Brett Favre is not a paid analyst. You know it is what it is. But like I said, we're moving on because you don't want to talk about the uh, the Eagles no more. Let's move on. Seven and two Green Bay Packers. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about the seven and two Packers. Uh, they're a real team. They're for real. They're a real team. See, here's the thing about the NFC this year. The NFC is in a, an unusual situation because I don't see a team out of the NFC that has that quarterback on a rookie deal that may, that's dangerous 
if you think about the young quarterbacks around the NFC, who, who are you thinking of? Or still on a rookie deal? Kyler Murray, maybe. Um, uh, well, are there any other young, good quarterbacks in the NFC besides Kyler Murray? I'm thinking. I'm blanking. Um, NFC East, no. NFC North, no. NFC South, no, those are all vets. NFC West. Not really. Yeah, you're Kyler Murray. He's the only one. And that's usually your formula to get through to the Super Bowl these days is have an underpaid quarterback, which is usually a guy on his rookie deal still. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the Cardinals are quite there yet. They might be able to take that leap next year, next year, but that's so the NFC is in a space where the vets actually have a good shot at competing for for a Super Bowl run. That doesn't happen very often in modern football, where you look at your top paid quarterbacks and really think they have legit shots at Super Bowls based on the talent that's around them and not just everybody saying, oh, he's a great quarterback. He can win it by himself. No, you can't win a football game by yourself. Mm-hmm. doesn't happen. So, so when you start looking at these divisions around the NFC, it, mm-hmm. it, it's a little different than it is in most years. It is. It is, but you you look at you look at who's on top. You look at the Green Bay Packers. Now, I I think they're legit. You look at the Seattle Seahawks. They're legit. Mm-hmm. Saints might be in trouble because just because they're losing Drew, they're losing Drew Brees. And let me ask you because you saw they made they went to they went with going they went with Taysom Hill as their starter over Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. You've never you you well you you know been what? a critic of James, I'll say this. You've been a critic of James, uh, Jameis Winston in the past of his game, of he, his decision making. He's a career bad decision maker. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. The Saints just invested a decent amount of money in Taysom Hill. Mm-hmm. So at some point, they do have to see what he is actually as a quarterback. Okay. Understood. And I, I and I guess to your point, you kind of know what you have in Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. And you, you have him and you know what you have. You brought him in in the hopes that you might be able to fix him, make him into either at the very least a quality backup, you know, if not the heir apparent to Drew Brees. You know, I don't know. But to your point, yeah, that's why you got to, you know, you got to give him, you got to give him an opportunity. Absolutely. You got to give him an opportunity. I think, honestly, you look at it, this could be the year for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers to get back on, you know, to to climb back I'm thinking the same, honestly. 
I, you know, you look at this, I think this, you know, a healthy Drew Brees might be a different conversation. I'm not necessarily, it's like, I will always be sold on Tom Brady, but I'm not sold on the Tampa Bay Bucks. I think Tampa Bay might be able to catch New, uh, New Orleans because Drew Brees is hurt. You know, this might be a season where all right, you're seeing what Taysom you're seeing what Taysom Hill has, but Saints come back to earth without Drew Brees. The Bucks catch them, win the division. But I'm not necessarily, you know, I, I'm I'm not ready to call the Tampa Bay Bucks uh, contenders yet. I I I think you're looking at Seattle and Green Bay in your NFC Championship game. And it can go mm. either way. Mm. 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 See, now that's where you and I will absolutely have to disagree. Okay. Well, you. Oh, I not- absolutely would put Tampa Bay there over Seattle. Really? One reason. Okay. One reason. Tom Brady. Mm-mm. Seattle's lack of defense. Russell Wilson has to do too much, and I know he has some nice weapons, but it's too much on his shoulders. That defense has not been known to stop anybody this year. Like they looked a little bit better last last night, the Thursday night this week against Arizona. Uh-huh. But Arizona, like we said, is a team with a young quarterback. They have some good receivers. Their running game, their running backs are, eh, and their defense is, eh, they're winning games, but. Yeah, Seattle's defense scares me. It's what when it comes to playoffs. Because by the time you get to the playoffs, you're looking at teams that pretty much all have their offensive identities figured out. And if you don't have a defense that can go out there and stop somebody, these teams are going to go out there and just execute against you all game long. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why I would pick against Seattle in the playoffs. At this point, looking at that team's performance, they lack the defense to really make a deep run. Okay. So you see a Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers NFC Championship game. I can definitely see that happening. Definitely. Okay. All right. All right. Time will tell. Hey, man, let's take a real quick break because on the other side, we we actually need to talk Sixers for a second. Let's do it. Because we got breaking news. Very, very rarely do you get breaking news during the, uh, the recording of a podcast. But there is breaking news. There's breaking pictures. So let's take a real quick break on Jonesy and Brown. And when we come back, we got to get your thoughts on this. I, I, I need to hear the thoughts of Mike Jones on this one. Listen to Jonesy and Brown. He's Mike Jones. I'm John Brown. We'll be right back. You feeling this podcast? Hear this and more. Go to SoundCloud.com slash BITW Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. I'm Councilmember Isaiah Thomas, and I'm here with an important reminder for the citizens of Philadelphia. Please remember to do your part to stop the spread and stay home. Only leave the house when it's absolutely necessary. And when you do leave the house, please remember to practice social distancing. Again, we need everybody to do their part to stop the spread. Now, I'm going to pass it off to Philadelphia basketball legend, Aaron McKinney. 
Hey Philly, it's Aaron McKee, head coach of Temple Isles men's basketball team, former 76er and graduate of Simon Gratz High School. The coronavirus is not playing. We have to stop the spread of COVID-19 to protect everybody. Even though the weather is getting nicer, we have to keep six feet of social distance from one another. If you have to go out, wear a mask. It's called being a good teammate to one another. We could do this, Philly. Let's stop the spread. It's me, your heart. High blood pressure is serious, and I can quit whenever I want. Just treat me better. After all, we're in this together. To get your high blood pressure to a healthy range, visit heart.org slash blood pressure. A message from the American Heart Association and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jonesy and Brian. Both you the crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. All right, we are back on Jonesy and Brown. He is Mike Jones. I am John Brown hanging out with you guys, enjoying the sports, enjoying the NBA offseason. NBA draft was this week. NBA free agency has started. Trades have started. And there's big news for our hometown team. Sixers made a signing today. On, we recorded this show on Friday. It's Friday evening as we talk right now. Sixers, mm-hmm. signed, Sixers getting some bench help. Signing Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard is a Sixer. A 76er. He had announced on Twitter that he was going back to the Lakers. Oh, Apparently the Lakers changed their mind. And now Dwight Howard is a Philadelphia 76er signing a two-year deal. Mm, one year. Well, we'll see. I thought I, thought I just saw a one-year deal. All right, well, look. You know what? That's for those who are watching the, uh, the webcast. Got my computer right here. Let, let, let's let's take a look at this. ESPN reports it's a one-year deal for the veterans' minimum of two point six million. Let's see. I got my mic in my hand. I'm over here. Look now. I got to I got to scroll down. My man. Shout out to my man Sonny Son, who was watching the show as we do the webcast. Who brought it up? And now I had I had to jump on Twitter real quick because that's where we now go to get our news. <laughs> Yeah, ESPN is reporting a one point a one year two point six million for the veterans minimum. All right, okay, one year deal. Oh, I I will say I will say this because the talk the talk uh as I put my microphone back the talk earlier this week people were talking about the possibility of the Sixers bringing back Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. I thought that I actually was kind of on board with that because I think now you, that takes, it takes away from the problems that you had when they were both here, when, when Noel and Joel were here earlier in their career, because you were trying to jam them both into the starting lineup. You bring in Nerlens now, he's your bench player. He's your, he, that's his role. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily you don't have you don't have the pressure of trying to fit them both into your starting lineup and give them both starters minutes. But 
I think bringing in Dwight Howard, you you know, you have a more established player who plays the same type of game as uh, Nerlens. Not as athletic, older, not as athletic, but more of a veteran. Dwight still showed himself to be pretty athletic last year. Still athletic, but I, you know, how old is Dwight Howard now? He's in his thirties. He'll be thirty-four. Thirty-four. Nerlens Noel is twenty-six. Mm-hmm. So, I guess at this point, you know, well, you said you you're, you would be Sixers are bringing him in at the veterans minimum. So, mm-hmm. is a you know a I don't cheaper think, move? I don't think you can get Nerlens for only two point six. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, and I yeah. But uh, and I I don't know if you recall, right after the finals, we were talking to Anthony Gilbert about. Dwight Howard and this current incarnation of Dwight Dwight Howard specifically. Because over his career, I've been one who has been extremely critical of Dwight. But after watching how he carried carried himself with L.A. this year, I had to give him credit. You know, if I'm going to be critical when you're bad, I'm going to give you credit when you're good. He he dealt with whatever he needed to deal with so that he was able to actually accept a role, do his job, and be happy on the basketball court. And this new version of Dwight Howard, he's if if that's if you get the Lakers, the second Lakers version, of Dwight Howard, not the Kobe version, but the LeBron version, LeBron Lakers version of Dwight Howard in Philly. I love that player. Mm-hmm. That's a guy you want on your team. That's a guy you can win with. Yeah. So my and okay, he's actually also a guy who can teach him be the benefits him. of running hard from rim to rim. He can actually teach him be the the benefits of running hard rim to rim. That's where Dwight Howard at his best when he was running rim to rim. He was not a guy who had much finesse, much touch, much footwork, anything. But he could get his numbers by being athletic and being in position. I guess my, my question is, Dwight on the Lakers, on a team with LeBron, pretty much on a team with LeBron, your role is different, you know, and you know LeBron's pedigree. You know what he's, he's playing for ranks. Mm-hmm. He's playing for championships. And that's not to necessarily say that Embiid does not want to win. That's not what I'm saying at all. But what I'm saying is, you know, you're going from a team with a pedigree, with a team, a team that wants to win, a team that's dedicated, that was built to win championships. The Lakers, uh, the Sixers are still building; they're still trying to get there. Can you, can you bring that same philosophy? Because the role, his role on this team, will be slightly different. I see. Uh- Again, I think that's where I'm going to have to deal, uh, disagree with you. Um, Dwight Howard, his role is essentially the same on every team. 
because he's not a skilled guy. He's not a guy who you think about putting like, well, yeah, I'm going to put him on the elbow or, yeah, I'm going to use him in pick and pops or, yeah, I'm going to use him in baseline. But no, Dwight plays defense. He rebounds. He runs the floor and he finishes when somebody drives and kicks to him cut. That's it. Dwight's role is the same. Which is, and if he embraces that role, he's an excellent player. Mm. You don't want him to go outside of that same role he played for the Lakers ever. That, that's the ideal role for Dwight. That's who he is as a player. When Dwight was at his best in Orlando, that was who he was as a player. He was just young and athletic, so he was in position for a lot more dunks. But there was nothing extra or special to it. He ran hard. He was in position. He's bigger, stronger, and more than than most bigs. So most can't deal with it. If he's Dwight's, just got to be about effort, commitment. He gives you that, and doesn't complain. We're fine. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, and, and I think the doesn't complain part is the part he's learned in the latter half of his career. When he was with Kobe, he's complaining if he didn't get 15-plus shots a game. When he was with LeBron, he's just happy to be there. Yeah. The new the new Dwight note accepts his role. And I, I guess my concern is, will the mature, non-complaining LeBron who played with uh, – excuse me, non-complaining Dwight who played with LeBron – can he be that same type of player now that you're not you take a if you take a LeBron James out of the equation because i think it's easier to accept your role when you're playing with arguably the greatest player on the planet today mm-hmm. i think he'll be accepted because with this able to accept it because with the seniors he'll be able to with the sixers excuse me he'll be able to voice himself in other ways specifically he he and danny green coming in as additions are the vets who've won at a high level Mm -hmm. you know they're the guys who know what winning's about now so he'll have a voice within the organization this year in other ways, he doesn't have to be the guy who gets all the numbers mm-hmm. to have a significant impact on this team. Like I said, the one thing I want more than anything else is for Dwight Howard to teach and be his work ethic when it comes to things like condition. If you can get MB to quit condition like Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. MB's the best big man ever. Sounds good. <laughs> you know, you see there was an if at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it <laughs> so, sounds good in theory. All right, let's pivot real quick to the NBA draft. How much of the draft did you watch? Most of the first round. Okay. Were there any surprises? Anthony Edwards was a small surprise. But... It wasn't a major, I wouldn't say it was a major surprise. You started hearing the rumblings about it 
throughout the day before the draft. It kind of seems like these days with Woj's Twitter account, there's very little <laughs> surprise by the time you actually get, get to, to the, the teams yeah. being on the clock. You generally know what's going to happen. But what I will say about this year's draft is that I feel like I know the least about a draft class than I have. Like I know less about this draft class than I have most draft classes in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, without the without the conference twenties and the and the Final Four and March Madness and all of that. You know, you don't get to see those kids who raise their game in the highest stages. Like, mm-hmm. um, imagine Steph Curry with no tourney run. You know, yeah. nobody knows who he is or what he's capable of against the best. How he's able to put a team on his back. Uh, a team Davidson. You know, these aren't the high-level guys. He's putting them on his back and winning a couple games. It's like with with college basketball, it's easy to start at March Madness and work your way back. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, if a player catches your eye, you want to go back and say, oh, okay, well, what did this guy do in the regular season? What did this guy do in the conference tournament? What did this guy do in regular season conference play? You know, when a name – it's like a name might pop up that you're not familiar with. Like, like let, let's take a let's let's take the Ben Simmons year. Mm-hmm. You were hearing about Ben Simmons all throughout the regular season, but what then happened? LSU didn't even make a, a, a postseason tournament. Mm-hmm. So same with Markel Fultz. Same with Markel Fultz. So you hear those names throughout the regular season, but then when the conference tournaments come up, then you're starting to hear those names and you're like, Oh, whoa, who's this? Who, who is this Jason Tatum guy? Let me go back and watch a couple more of these. You know, maybe Jason Tatum's not a, a, a good <laughs> example because you know, he was on Duke. So you were watching Duke all season, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're familiar with him. You're familiar but... with him, but, but, but you see the point. That I get I'm your trying. point. Yeah. Yeah. You see the point that I'm making. And to your point, you know, without the conference tournament, without the NCAA tournament, you didn't have that. So there were a, there there were more cases of who's this guy? Like, you know, probably the most recognizable name at the top of that draft was Lamelo Ball, and you didn't see any of you know you you really didn't watch a lot of those a lot of his team's games. Oh, well, you know. I'm, Again, I'm, I'm the hoop nerd who goes and watches weird tape like that. You know, I don't don't get watched full games, but yeah, I've seen I've seen enough. So, what do you think of him yeah. going? To, what do you think of him going to Charlotte? I think he may be the best pick the Hornets have had in a long time. Um, maybe since Chris Paul. That was the other Hornets. That wasn't these Hornets. Well, yeah, that well, yeah, was the I guess I was. So that was the now Pelicans. Yeah. This, this is the Bobcats. Yeah. Flash yeah. So, so, so we're talking. You know, 
So this might be best pick ever. If you, if you want, I mean, if you want to be, if you want to be real, yeah, him. Yeah. So far, that franchise's best pick was what? Kemble Walker. Kemble Walker. Yep. Kemble Walker, maybe Emeka Okafor before he, re- you know, before the injuries. Yeah. Before the back injuries. So yeah, he's probably gonna go down at this point. He's probably that franchise's best drafted. Okay. But I, th- I believe the kid can play. Yeah. He can play. Uh-huh. He can, can play. play. He can play. You know, don't let your pop anywhere near the team. But you know, it's, it's all good. Keep That's your, a different conversation. Keep, I, keep, pop seems to have learned that lesson a little bit. For that. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I I, I agree. You know, Sonny Bison, you know, shout out to Sonny saying Larry Johnson was their was best my, pick. Let's be clear. That, that was Larry it. Johnson was a draft pick of a different organization. Mm-hmm. That right. Hornets team became the Pelicans. This Hornets team came from the Bobcats. Yeah. So we're from this branch of the Hornets, we're just talking about the this current iteration of the Hornets and yeah. what their draft picks were. Yeah. Larry so, Johnson was my guy. You know, if we were going back to Larry Johnson and Zoe and those guys, that's a whole different conversation. Yeah, yeah that was my but squad. For man. the sake of this discussion, those guys are excluded. Yeah, no, you're you're right, Larry Johnson. Was God, that was, one, that was he, uh, Grandma Ma was a monster. Oh my gosh, man, he was like one of my one of my favorite non Sixers. Mm-hmm. That's you know, and that was back in the age. You know, I'm. When you're a teenager and it was acceptable to have more than one team. Once you like once you're over 17 years old, you can't have more than one team. Whatever your team <laughs> is your team. You're a teenager, hey, you could have about six, seven teams. It's all right. But you know, like that Larry that, that Larry Johnson, Alonzo, those are two of my favorite all time favorite college basketball players. And, you know, I love mm-hmm. them as pros. Larry Johnson, you know, injuries cut short his career. And, and, and to a lesser extent, so so did Alonzo Mourning. But that was my guy, man. All right. When those guys were young together. Adam Morrison. They, okay. Adam. <laughs> I intentionally didn't mention that. <laughs> no disrespect. It is what it is. Adam Morrison, it was what he was. You know, he, it was it was a great that, – that was a great story – in the NCAA tournament, them, them Gonzaga teams was all right. He got to the pros, and it was you know it was, a, it was a, it's a different world for where you come from. Yeah, it's a, it's a, di- a bit different level in the NBA. Mm-hmm. All right, real quick before we get out of here, look, look, Sixers draft Ty, uh, Tyrese Maxey. What, what'd you think of that? Kid's a ball player. He's. He seems to actually have decent basketball IQ, good athleticism, a little bit undersized combo guard, but that's not a huge problem when playing next to Ben Simmons in a backcourt because you don't you can usually guard the one playing next to him, so yeah. defensive mismatches is a problem. And I've been long saying that the Sixers need someone else that can create their own shot. Now, Danny Green coming in helps with spacing. He's an 
established three and D guy, but similarly to our old three point shooter at JJ Reddit, Danny Green is a guy who struggles when he has to put the ball onto the floor. Mm-hmm. If you can force Danny Green to take more than that one side dribble, you can get Danny Green to turn it over. Mm-hmm. So a player like Maxi and you know, Thibault is also a guy who would has to develop when it comes to playmaking and being able the ability to put the ball on the floor in an NBA game as well. But that is a little bit more natural part of Maxi's game. So from that standpoint, I think it's a very good pick. I, I like what the Sixers did in draft on draft day in general. You know, you move out Horford's contract. You're already off to a great start because that was a contract. I thought that might actually hold the Sixers back over the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. You were able to move that out and at the same time bring back some shooting help that you needed. Then you bring in Seth Curry for Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson, good player, but again, not a shooter, not a pure shooter and not really a guy who's able to create offense. He's a good all-around guy and can finish when somebody else is creating for him, but he's not a guy who's really able to initiate offense. You bring in Seth Curry, who's a little bit cheaper, frees up some money for you, and we all know Curry's can shoot. Mm-hmm. If you're a Curry, you can shoot. It was like I, I, I made the joke when I heard about the trade that Daryl Morey came in and his first big move was acquiring one of the Splash Brothers' brother. <laughs> oh, it was funnier in my head when I said it. I I, I cracked mm-hmm. myself up when I said it. It was funny on paper. It was fun- it, it, in theory, in, in my mind, that was pretty funny. I, I laughed pretty hard at myself when I said it. One of the Splash Brothers' uh, brother. Oh, whatever. Anyway... I feel like, you know, we talked about this, that it seemed like when Elton Brand was putting this roster together last year, he overvalued overvalued how much better he made the team defensively and undervalued how much shooting he was letting walk out the door. Mm-hmm. You weren't able to. You weren't going to be able to sign Jimmy Butler. You didn't bring back JJ Reddick. So in his mind, it seemed like okay. What I'm going to do is make this team better defensively. But you bring you throw a boatload of money at uh, at Al Horford, and then Horford and Embiid struggle to play together. You throw a boatload of money at Tobias Harris, and. Tobias Harris kind of came back down to earth. He didn't play as well. He didn't play as well as he did when you first acquired him. But like you said, you have when you have a starting point guard who won't shoot jumpers, who chooses not to shoot jumpers, and mm-hmm. then you have a uh, you have a low post player. You have all types of spacing issues, and they had no shooters to open up the floor. So what does Daryl Morey do when he comes in? He gets a couple of shooters. You and I went back and forth over what we needed because over what the team needed in the backcourt. Because 
you felt like they needed a shooting. Uh, you felt like they needed a point guard. I think a point guard. Yeah, you said a point guard. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. You said a point guard. I said a shooting guard. They got a guard. They drafted a guard who can play both. You know, they, mm-hmm. they, a guy who can run your offense when you need him to, and hit a jumper when when the situation presents itself. Might not be the three-point shooter that you necessarily need, but you went out and got yourself two three-point shooters. So if you want to move, if you find yourself in a position where are right, you want to create matchup issues, you have Thibel on at the two. You can play mm-hmm. Thibel at the two. You can play Maxi at the one, move Ben to the four, Tobias at the three. Ben can bring the ball down. Oh, you absolutely have more versatility yeah, you, with the you, lineup this year yeah. than you did last year. You got matchup issues. It was last season when Ben was off the court, you really didn't have anybody who was capable of starting the offense, which is how you ended up with a guy like well, what what's guy's name? Shake, young point guard starting at the end of the year? Shake, Shake Milton. Shake Milton. Yeah. I can't even remember a kid's name. <laughs> Give Shake a break, man. I mean, I'm not saying Shake's bad. Shake's a nice player, but but not necessarily who you wanted as your starting point guard. Exactly. Okay. Fair enough. You t- you tell me Shake is you know eighth ninth man off my roster. Oh yeah, I love that. You tell me Shake's a starter. He's kid's not ready for that. Understood. Understood. So, at this point, do you think that, in your opinion, you think the Sixers are out of the James Harden discussion? No. Not yet. In the modern NBA, players have a lot more power than they used to. Mm-hmm. If now I know the reports are coming out about Harden's interest in the Nets, but there was also the report that the Sixers are also on the list of teams he would go through. Mm-hmm. So you really kind of just have to see which of those short list of teams is willing to offer what. The Sixers right now, I. You're pro- I don't know what the Sixers would be willing to move. If it's me, I'm not willing to move Embiid or Simmons still. Mm-hmm. If I can get some sort of package built around Tobias Harris, sure, let's do it. Especially now with the additions we've made of Curry and Danny Green. And Maxi, I'll throw in Thibel. I don't. I still like Thibel. I'd love to keep him, but mm-hmm. if you can give me James Harden for Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibel, and three first-round picks, let's do it. I'm all in. So it just really comes matter. Comes going to be a matter of who could put the best compensation package together, and I, I, the Nets. You go, we're looking at Karis Levert and a bunch. 
who is a really good role player, and then a bunch of other role players. Mm-hmm. It's not a very different situation than what the Sixers are able to offer. My my thing about my thing is it's like I can't see a world where Harden and Kyrie coexist. If the Nets, with, with, with a healthy Kevin Durant, you bring in James Harden and you have you put Kevin Durant, you, you saddle Kevin Durant with a backcourt of Kyrie and James Harden, they will trade Kyrie Irving within a year. I, I now, interestingly enough, I just don't with, see that. Working. And you know how I feel about Kyrie. Mm-hmm. As, as you know, as, you know how I feel about Kyrie as a point guard specifically. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think it's an impossibility for it to work, for the sheer fact that James Harden and Kevin Durant are the two most gifted scorers in the league, mm-hmm. even more gifted than Kyrie is as a scorer. Oh no doubt. So. I, I, so what that, but oh, let me finish. So what that does is that that actually forces Kyrie into a situation where he has no choice but to trust his teammates, because that's usually the thing that holds back a player like Kyrie. You're so supremely gifted as a scorer mm-hmm. when you're making when you're coming down and making your reads in the decision making process. You weigh. What's a better shot, me, scoot, me shooting or him shooting? And you decide you shooting is a better shot. Mm-hmm. And you, even though giving the your teammate the ball is probably the better play for the team, in your mind, you shooting is the better shot mm-hmm. because you're the better scorer. And that throws off the rhythm of the team. With these guys on the wings, there's no way he can look them off and say it's not a good shot. Right? Me shooting with three guys on me is a better shot. What worries me about that team is that if I have a backcourt of Harden and Kyrie, who's playing defense ever? Ever. No, I, I hear you. I'm not quite sure if I have that type of uh, trust in Kyrie Irving yet. You and I—that's the one thing I, I bash Kyrie's game, mm-hmm. but he is actually an intelligent guy. He's not a low IQ guy. He just has problems trusting a teammate. Yeah. And I think those are the type of teammates you have no problem, but you have no choice but to trust. Mm-hmm. Not quite sure if I believe that. I could be wrong. We record the I, show. There's going to be video, so, you know, we come back at the end of the season, we be like, hey, man, you remember when you didn't believe in Kyrie Irving? You didn't think he could coexist? Here it is. Here's where you said it. You'd be like, well, I, hey, think, I think their bigger issues will be defense. Mm. I'm not saying they're going to come out and be a championship contender or win, win 70 games, but that's because that's going to be because of defense. Okay. All right. Well. Like, now, without Harden, I still think that's it. Yeah, it's, that's a different conversation. But if they were to get caught harder, I think offensively they could be okay. Okay. 
defensively, everybody scores 120 on them. <laughs> All right, I hear you. All right, man, look, man, we uh, just about out of time, dude. Been talking for like an hour and a half. Just remember, you give your thoughts on this show. Hit us up Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Jonesy, and Brian. You can download this podcast wherever you get your podcast at SoundCloud, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of it. We're, 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 we're he is Mike Jones. I am John Brian. We talk almost every week about sports. Mike Jones is a professional. Now, mind you, back in the day, they didn't want him. I have no clue who they are, but they didn't want him. Mm-hmm. But now, now, now you're hot. And what's the difference? What has happened now that you're hot? You know. No, 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 I don't know. If I knew, I would have just, I would have just keep going. What, what has happened? Now they all on me. All of them? Back then, didn't want me. Now hot, all on me. That's amazing. That is amazing. Thank you for checking out Jonesy and Brown. We'll see you guys next week. Peace, y'all. Peace. You feeling this podcast? To hear this more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network.